1: Heard at Sports presents the Damon Benning Show with Ravi Lula. Yeah, I think um, especially the one uh, that happened with Colorado was kind of the cadence issues, um, motion timing. So there's been a big emphasis on that this week. You know, we don't know, you know, sometimes going into stadiums, you have no clue. You know, is it is the crowd going to affect your cadence? Are you going to have to go on silent? or you know, can you stay verbal? So I think that's been one big thing. And then um, trying to create your own energy has been another one for us. Um, you know, obviously being here, no matter what the score is, you know, we always have people behind us or um, the circumstance. We've seen that with Michigan and uh, Louisiana Tech. There's always people still there cheering us on, so. I said she love me, she
0: loved me not. Wrapping up hour number one here on Herd Out Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. That's Anna Bellinghausen joining me here on a Wednesday. The YouTube comments are alive and popping. As always, we appreciate all of our listeners uh, that join us there. You can also stream it on Twitter. uh, And, of course, listen to us on AM 590 ESPN Omaha or ESPN Tri-Cities if you're one of our lovely friends out in central Nebraska. Um, Wanted to talk a little bit of... Baseball playoffs. I know we mentioned them earlier. Um, you're a Royals fan. I'm a Red Sox fan, so we're uh, both left out in the cold this year. Oh, yeah. Um, both have been left out in the cold for a little while now. Uh, I do enjoy rooting for Mookie Betts still, who I love dearly, despite uh, them trading him to that West coast team that we don't even like (laughs) to talk about, but um, no, it's uh, it's interesting. I I really do. You know, one of our YouTube commenters say, you know, hot take, maybe playoff time is the only time to watch baseball. I disagree there when the team that I like is actually good. I really do enjoy uh, baseball. I grew up with it. And I think it's, you know, probably sort of an Omaha thing. You grow up with the college world series and stuff. There's a lot of uh, young baseball fans in this town, maybe more so than they are, Uh, throughout the country. But uh, one of the teams, obviously growing up a a Red Sox fan, somebody that was near and dear to my heart, even though, you know, never met him, uh, was Tim Wakefield, who passed away over the weekend uh, from brain cancer. And I (laughs) promise not just talking about brain cancer here. This is a kind of a a weird um, analogy to make. But one of the things that everybody, including myself, loved about Tim Wakefield so much was this – he was kind of the ultimate teammate and an an example of this is so this is a guy that kind of had to fight and claw for everything he got in major league baseball he was from florida tech university which if you knew that was an actual place kudos to you Um, i believe it was an nai school at the time that tim wakefield went there and he was drafted as a first baseman by the pirates And probably only because that was in, like, the 80s when the bats were still made out of, like, rocket fuel. And he hit a bunch of home runs one year in college, and the Pirates were like, yeah, why not? Let's give it a shot. Turns out the wood bats are a little bit different, and (laughs) he was not a major league quality first baseman. They saw him throw a knuckleball one day, and they're like, well, let's try that instead. Um, And his career was born. It wasn't all success, obviously. He was really good at first with the Pirates, ended up getting cut. And then picked up by the Red Sox, but uh, I guess the place I'm going with this is so in 2004, when the Red Sox are down uh, to the Yankees, that's Game Three, and they are getting they're getting their ass kicked, like they're just getting killed by the Yankees in Game Three of the '04 ALCS. And Tim Wakefield goes to Tito Francona, shout out to to Terry Francona and his retirement, but he goes to Tito Francona, and he says, hey. I know I'm supposed to start tomorrow, but if you need somebody to eat innings to save the bullpen, like, I'll, I'll go do it. Had Didn't even have cleats on. He wasn't supposed to pitch that day. And Frank Kona's like, man, that would be awesome. Like, thank you. Because if there's any chance for us to come back in this thing, like, we have to save pitchers. And he's like, yep, I know, I got it. And so he went out there and was the sacrificial lamb in a game that ends up 19-8. to And you're like... So that by, himself, by itself makes him a great teammate, right? But when you put it in the context of the year before, he had given up the home run in 2003 to Aaron Boone that sent the Yankees to the World Series in extra innings. And you know he was dying to redeem himself. And instead of giving, getting that opportunity, instead of taking that opportunity, which was rightfully his in Game 4 against the Yankees, he said, no. I'm going to go take one for the team because I believe my teammates can come back. And that's exactly what they did. They come back against the Yankees, still the only team to come back 0-3 in baseball history. People forget that. Um, And then they win the World Series. And it goes to show, you know, that's who he was on the field. It's who he was off the field. Um, He was a huge member of the Jimmy Fund, which is a cancer foundation that the Red Sox are a huge part of um, in terms of doing research and things like that. And my point in saying all this is, A, just, you know, shout out to a guy that I never met that met a whole lot to me in Tim Wakefield. And B, I think it's a really good example of a couple things. One, of how some uh, sports can teach us about bigger things in life, right? In sometimes sacrificing and giving up what is rightfully yours or what you're entitled to, or the thing that you feel like you deserve in order to put other people in a better position to succeed often is the best thing for you also, right? Like, yeah, you might be owed something, but doing what's best for everyone often ends up being best for you also. And that's something that I try and remember as much as possible because I can be a super selfish person. (laughs) And so that's something that I try and remember. And then the other thing is, it reminds me all the time of just what it means to be a good teammate. And bringing this back to Nebraska football, it reminds me a lot of what it seems like Coach Rule is trying to instill in his players. He's trying to instill that this is what we do as Nebraska football players. It's unselfish. It is hardworking. It is doing what is right for everyone, will be what's right for us. And that's probably maybe a little too philosophical of a point to make about a football team that's two and three and headed to another mediocre two and three Big Ten West team. But it's part of the reason I think Matt Rule is going to be successful here is because that's when he's talking about, hey, it's about the process, it's about the process, it's about the process. I hear it's about things like that. It's not just about the actual practice process. It's not just about the workout process or the all of those things. That's part of it. But it's also about the things that teach you how to become a better person that just also happen to make you a better football player too.
1: I mean, it's development, right? Mm-hmm. It's building relationships and it's building young men, right? At a crucial point of their lives where they could go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And I think football is an outlet for a lot of people as sports is for plenty of athletes. Right. And mm-hmm. it's something that can get your mind off other things in life. And I think you build a sanctuary with your team. And that that's what I think Matt Rule is trying to do because I think he realizes, hey, these are people first. Right. Mm-hmm the things that you hear about Matt rule about him being humble and, and and just his background with everything and how Carolina ended up, but players still came to his house and talked to him Mm -hmm. right after he got fired. And I think that says a lot about who Matt rule is as a person. And I think that can be exemplified throughout the program of how these players respond to this adversity and how they stick together. And I did enjoy the quote from the press conference of, we're going to find out who's one of us. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, that wasn't meant to be taken in a negative way. I think some people took it in a negative way. Sure,
0: and it could come off that way.
1: It totally could, but I think what was meant by that phrase is just, we need to find who's in it for the team, Mm -hmm. right? We need to find it, find who's in it for us. You're not trying to find somebody that just wants to get to the NFL Mm -hmm. and try to find ways to get drafted eventually, but you're trying to find people that want to win and want to win for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Matt Rule is trying to find out and there's so much parallel in college football. I mean, you want to bring up a Coach Prime, a Dion Sanders, right? Sure. And he's doing it in Be a completely... Be careful, though. He'll
0: take it personally.
1: Exactly. <laughs> he's going to take it in a completely different way, right? And mm-hmm. he found out who was one of us in a very different way. Mm-hmm. He said leave right leave yeah. he cleared the house and Matt Rule didn't do that in Nebraska he let these guys stay he had conversations probably tough conversations with players and what he's expecting out of them this season and if they want to stick around and I mean just how Rule spoke with Garrett Nelson about saying hey go to the NFL dude get out of here right yeah. in a loving way it wasn't like hey we, we need you to go we need you to save a spot for another guy right and I think that's doing what's best for the players overall and I think that's what Rule is about, he, he's a player's coach.
0: Yeah, he, he really is, and, and you, you have to appreciate, because again, even that approach with a guy like Garrett Nelson, right, is, hey, if you do what's best for everyone, it'll be what's best for you long-term. Like, would it have been better for Coach Rule to have Garrett Nelson on the team this oh, year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like, would it have been better? I don't know if this was ever a, 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 even a possibility, but would it have been better for Coach Rule if Trey Palmer was on this team this year? Uh Yeah. They have basically no wide receivers left. And Trey Palmer is doing really well in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He'd be awesome to have on this team. But you know what? It was better for Trey Palmer to go. It was better for Garrett Nelson to go. And long term, that will pay dividends for Coach Rule. And, and kind of the one of us thing was that you brought up is is really interesting because – I think people do sometimes take it negatively as like, oh, if you're not one of us, then you're a bad guy, you're doing these things, and, you know, we're going to kick you out of the program or whatever, but I look at a guy like Casey Thompson, who by all, everything I've heard, like, really solid guy, really solid teammate, I think his priorities were just a little bit different than what Coach Rules was, and I don't think, I'd be surprised if there was any animosity on either side of that equation. But it just wasn't the right fit, right? Yep. It was just a situation where it's like, hey, this is what you need in, your, in the, this part of your career. This is what we need at this point of our coaching tenure. Uh, unfortunately, that just doesn't match up. And I know there's people that are, are, would love to see Casey Thompson on the field sometimes at quarterback the way we've seen quarterback play so far. But that's, again, what's best for everyone long term will be best for you. And I think Coach Rule has really exemplified that uh, at times. Uh, Coming up next, we will talk to our friend Brian Christofferson from Husker 24-7 here on Herd Sports Radio.